Where would you go if you were feeling unwell or wanted to refer yourself for health and wellness support? If you needed a repeat prescription or want to book a GP appointment, the answer is to go to shwh.co.uk because the Sunderland Health and Wellness Hub has all the information, advice and links you need about local healthcare services in Sunderland and it'll direct you to the right healthcare services for your needs. So for all your health and wellness needs, visit shwh.co.uk. This is our People podcast, telling the stories behind South Tyneside and Sunderland NHS Foundation Trust. Hi, and welcome to Our People podcast. I'm Harry Newhouse, your host for today's episode, and here to join me is Assistant Director of Nursing Sharon McDowell and Operating Department Practitioner Jason Deegan. Welcome to the podcast, Sharon and Jason. Good morning. Thank you, Harry. It's a great opportunity for us to to meet and talk about the Pathway to Excellence programme. Sharon, I'll start with you. Uh, Please could you introduce yourself and explain uh, what your role here at the Trust involves? My name is Sharon McDowell. As Harry's already said, I'm the Assistant Director of Nursing, working within the Nursing and Quality team and reporting to our Director of Nursing, Melanie Johnson. I was appointed as the lead um, for the Pathway to Excellence Accreditation Programme and also um, lead for the Professional Nurse Advocate Programme. The topic we're discussing today is the Pathway to Excellence Accreditation Programme. Much of my role involves overseeing and leading our organisation in achieving um, accreditation with the Pathway to Excellence programme. That involves linking with national and international leads for the programme, linking with the American Nurses Credentialing Centre, with their international nurses who um, are helping us work towards this accreditation programme. And much of the work is about staff engagement here at the organisation to help staff understand what the programme is and why it's important and what what it will do for our workforce and for our patients um, within South Tyneside and Sunderland. And same question to you, Jason. Yes, I'm uh, Jason Deegan. I'm an ODP in Sunderland Royal Theatres. Um, I predominantly work in emergency theatres and I've recently been very interested in the theatre wellbeing aspect of um, theatres. So at the moment, we're just trying to um, bring in different services from outside of theatres to try and change and improve uh, staff uh, wellbeing and uh, mental health aspects. And it's very enjoyable. So thank you very much for having me here. And uh, Sharon, we have previously done a podcast episode about the nursing and midwifery excellence, but could you give us a quick recap of what that is and also explain what the Pathway to Excellence is? Pathway to Excellence is um, an accreditation programme which is managed and administered by the American Nurses Credentialing Centre. Our Chief Nursing Officer for England, um, uh, pre-COVID, selected 14 trusts who, across England, who might wish to participate in this programme. The overarching um, philosophy of Pathway to Excellence is where we aim to create a positive practice environment where our workforce, and I must say at this point, although I may say nurses or midwives, it is very inclusive. As I say, we've got Jason here today, who's an ODP, 
because um, none of this can be achieved in isolation. So we do need to work in a multidisciplinary way. So really the overarching theme is creating this positive practice environment where our staff, our workforce feel valued, feel involved, feel they've got a voice, feel they're part of decision-making and how the, the trust um, operates on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, it provides, the Pathway to Excellence provides a framework which we can work towards this accreditation programme. And I know one of the next questions is about the different standards that are within the framework. And ultimately, if we have a workforce that feels valued and um, part of decision-making, they will want to be here, they want to work for our organisation. And, and ultimately from that, we should see improvements in patient experience and patient outcomes. And uh, for any listeners who would like to hear more about the nursing midwifery excellence, I would uh, really encourage you to listen to the episodes we have published already early in the season. It's a great listen, and it was recorded during the nursing midwifery excellence uh, conference uh, we hosted in October last year. Uh, but for this episode, uh, we are going to look at how we are planning to make the six pathway standards uh, that you've just mentioned there that are set to help us gain the Pathway to Excellence accreditation. Shall we start by explaining what the six Pathway Standards are? Yeah. Um, the six Pathway Standards are shared decision-making, leadership, safety, quality, well-being and personal development. And if I just give a brief overview of each one of those standards, shared decision-making is really looking at how we as an organisation are inclusive of our workforce in decision-making, that we involve them in governance um, decisions and that they really have an opportunity to network and collaborate as teams and, and on a really on the workforce level that in their wards and departments can contribute to what is important to them as a team and how that might impact them in their daily work and ultimately patient care. Leadership, um, this standard is looking at how we as leaders in the organisation are accessible to our workforce, how we provide opportunities for leadership development and succession planning within the organisation. Safety, as um, it might give away a clue, being a safety standard is about looking at how we create a safe environment for our patients and our workforce, that we promote an environment where we are respectful to each other that we tackle incivility and that we promote a workplace where our staff feel safe and our patients are provided with safe care. Quality is looking at how we provide care from an evidence-based perspective and ultimately um, with that uh, look at quality improvement projects and that will ultimately impact patient care. Wellbeing, very important and particularly I think we recognise it very much in the NHS now, um, having gone through the pandemic um, and the impact that that had on our staff health and wellbeing. So the wellbeing standard really focuses on how we um, promote wellbeing amongst our staff and again make them feel um, valued and supported in their daily work. And then personal development is aiming towards um, personal development of our staff and how we as an organisation promote opportunities for personal development, access to courses, learning, learning within the work environment so that our staff feel that they are competent and skilled to do the job that we're asking them to do. 
And ultimately, you've said that uh, this aims to give the patients the very best care that we can possibly give as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the standards uh, you mentioned there was shared decision-making. Uh, Sharon, could you explain a bit more about what shared decision-making is? Shared decision-making is themed around our governance structures and um, looking at how we as an organisation involve our staff in governance. It looks also at how we promote multidisciplinary teamwork and that we do work as a team and that we share um, ideas, decisions, network with each other, collaboration between different professionals. Much of this work's already happening in the organisation. Um, I think there are lots of examples of good work already happening. So the Pathway to Excellence programme, generally I would say we're not really asking our staff to do a great deal more or new work because they're actually already doing it but it might be just under a different name and what we really want with shared decision making is that our workforce in at ward and department level come together and form what we call shared decision making councils where they look at as a team what's important to them and their departments and um, they may select a project that they want to improve in their department it's very much a bottom-up approach it's not a top-down approach where um, really operational managers support our workforce who are actually on the shop floor to go ahead and make decisions themselves and that those decisions will be facilitated so I think that's why Jason's here today to talk about about that yes yeah, so Jason you've uh, you've started your own shed making decision council uh, could you tell me a bit more about uh, what this council is about uh, how it works and who's involved yes Harry so initially we identified that we needed to develop staff support initiative systems within theatres so moving forward we wanted to introduce strategies and wanted to improve staff work experience on a daily basis and basically show them that we care about their well-being which in turn allows them to be their best and provide uh, the best service they can for service users and staff. So it's quite simple really, happy staff, happy patients. So then we looked outside of the departments and found all the different services and offers that are out there um, within the trust um, to help out with this sort of thing. And then I discovered the Pathway to Excellence Accreditation Programme and now one of its key components are collective leadership and um, shared decision-making councils. Um, well, I was sold. It just seemed perfect for us. A council of diverse peers uh, from all roles, grades, levels from theatres, representing all of us, who then can come together to make suggestions and changes to benefit staff and patients experiencing theatre. And how amazing, really, um, the sort of inclusive it is that myself as a Band 5 ODP, I'm allowed to organise and, and create and be part of this council uh, just because I'm showing enthusiasm for the project initially. So, I mean, that it just shows how inclusive it really all is. So, the process itself, um, I first contacted my managers for permission and then... They uh, put me on to Sharon, um, expressing our interest in setting up a council. Uh, she showed me the pathway to excellence and the shared decision-making council framework, which she developed as a guide for the process. 
so firstly, the actual process itself, which is the fun part, I think. We started advertising for volunteers using infographic posters in appropriate areas, demonstrating the intent to form a council. I use our local resources, such as the Theatre Wellbeing Newsletter, and emailed relevant department staffs. Due to the inclusive, diverse nature of what we wanted to achieve, I made sure that all staff levels, grades and roles were aware of the value of the council, what it would mean to our department. Uh, so volunteers were encouraged to email with their intents to join and why they would make a good candidate. And that sort of process took about two weeks to do. We managed to get 14 candidates who were a good cross-section of the department. That was our TSWs, ODPs, uh, the scrub side staff, housekeeping, consultants and ethicists, band sixes and band sevens. So we just wanted that full inclusive of that's our department to be involved in, in this process. So then we was ready at that stage to go on to the second phase, as I call it which was the voting. Again, we used infographic posters, emails, articles in the Theatre Wellbeing newsletter across all of the different theatres in Sunderland to advertise for, uh, the candidates. We provided ballot boxes with voting slips with the candidates' names on for um, anonymous and confidential voting. It was quite fun, really. <laughs> and I tried to big it up, as you can imagine. We tried to put fun into it. So we tried to equate it to like national elections and <laughs> what the American elections <laughs> and things like that. So that was quite fun. But, um, and then we had a couple of weeks for that voting. And it, the really important thing was people really got engaged. I wasn't sure how it would go, really, but re people really did. Um, talk about it a lot. It was a it was the talk of the town um, for a lot for those two weeks. And more importantly, um, eighty five percent of the staff actually voted. So they it was a big engagement for us. People did care about what was actually happening, which is the most important thing. So anyway, we counted the slips three times uh, with different staff each time while the whole process was adjudicated by unaffiliated senior members of staff to make everything above board and official we want to follow all the all the processes correctly and be transparent we were looking to have about 10 members of uh, for the council so in the future if some members couldn't attend that one time uh, there would be still enough people there for the council to function or action different um, projects that they're working on. So that was that done. And then we formed the Sunderland Royal Hospital Theatre Council and we had the first meeting last week. Um, we followed the framework and started the process of electing um, a chair and a vice chair and the supporting admin staffs within that meeting. Um, and it was great to see everybody finally together uh, I was facilitating that meeting um, uh, and from the start everyone just had some like fantastic ideas and there's a bit of a spoiler alert which I'm sure they won't mind me uh, discussing <laughs> bringing out of the council but they had a, a great idea and this is just like an example for people if they were thinking about this and I, and I do advise them to 
to to pursue this. Um, so I've got a bit of an example of what could be something that the council could do. So a member of staff indicated how um, the noise levels in the break room that we have at dinner time was too loud and they couldn't really enjoy their dinner so they left and they couldn't have anything to eat so that was then given to one of the members of the council and so they started discussing different options and they came up with an idea of a quiet staff zone for people who can relax and enjoy their food in peace or just chill out uh, as an escape from the stressful work environment Spaces in theatre, obviously, it's a premium. Um, so the council are now investigating where to go with this and physically where to, to start. But they had evolving ideas within that just that initial meeting uh, where they started creating ideas like temporary zones at certain times of the day. So all this came together, and it's a good example of how multi-level and multi-role staff got together with a wide range of experiences uh, to solve a problem uh, and create amazing ideas and basically our staff are amazing and they are the best resources so we should utilise them to the full and um, it's an easy thing to do really with the support of Sharon and all the other services in there the framework as a guide itself is very straightforward it's got all the relevant templates in the back um, that you can use and to follow a pathway and Sharon's always there for a support so really, it's quite an easy and um, excellent process, and it's definitely worth having a go. Perfect. And ultimately, this will benefit our patients as well as the nurses, midwives, and all the other staff are here. Yeah, at the absolutely. As I said, happy staff, happy patients. That's how it has to be perceived, I feel, going forward now. And, and, and I think Jason's given a really good example there of where we are not expecting our shared decision-making councils to change the world mm -hmm. you know we're in the very early stages of setting up these shared decision-making councils um there were a number a small number set up pre-covid and um sadly during the pandemic some of those councils went by the wayside so we are in the very early stages of setting them up but i think um as jason's really illustrated very well there about the multidisciplinary you know all bands grades involved um, selecting something that's important to them in the department not going too big um, when you're just starting off picking a small project small wins um, yeah yeah and um, the role of the facilitator is really to guide that shared decision making council for as long as they need that guidance um, some councils may need some support for a short period of time some for longer as Jason's just explained as well, that um, the look at who's going to chair those meetings, it doesn't have to be the most senior person. Mm -hmm. It can be a junior person, but clearly the facilitator would support them. Um, as we've probably all sat in meetings where it's quite difficult, you have different personalities, it's not easy to manage a meeting sometimes. So, you know, hopefully from this, we give skills and personal development to those who are attending the meetings also. So I think that's a... A great illustration of how shared decision making can actually work in practice. Brilliant. And um, like so you've already mentioned an example there, but have you got any more of how it's benefit, benefited our staff and residents of South Tyneside and Sunderland? I think because we're in the early stages and some of the shared decision making councils 
because of the pandemic, weren't able to progress very far. Um, we've got a small number in those um, very early steps. Um, we've got some professional nurse advocates who have created their shared decision-making council. One of the first things they want to look at is actually encouraging more of our professional nurse advocates to attend the monthly meetings that we hold. Those meetings are a professional meeting, it's a supportive meeting. And ultimately from that, if we have our professional nurse advocates in place who feel they're part of this monthly meeting, that they're being supported, they've got some personal development, they will then go out and support our staff, our workforce, because the role of the professional nurse advocate is to support the workforce and their well-being. We have our internationally educated nurses who have a shared decision-making council and they've done a lot of work in just supporting each other um, as an international community. And one of the, the great things for the shared decision-making councils is we have, uh, they feed into a leadership council, which is chaired by Melanie Johnson, our Executive Director of Nurse and Midwifery and Allied Health Professionals. That's a great opportunity for our council chair people to come along and have some face time with Melanie. Yeah. They can feed back to Melanie some of their experiences, what they're working on, what they're developing. And then Melanie can um, support and, if need be, um, help them develop further with, with those projects. Um, but that's a great personal development opportunity for the chair people to sit with such a senior executive yeah. member of the trust um, and um, to be supported to do that. I think... One of the things that Jason mentioned, which is important, is the creativity and fun side of things. Mm -hmm. um, I think people more involved. Yes, absolutely. So the shared decision-making councils, it is um, up to those groups how they want to create them, how they want to advertise them, how they want to select their chairs. As Jason's done, they made it a bit of fun election process. That doesn't have to be done by every council how they produce their minutes, how they advertise, how they create their posters, um, can be... At Everything's basically bespoke, isn't it, really? I yes. Think it has to be adapted. I mean, that's the, the whole beauty of the, the framework that you created yeah. anyway. It's it, it it's run by the environment that it's in. And as I said, the, the staff are our best resources yeah. for everything. Yeah. You'd be surprised at just going... And talking to somebody in this sort of environment had the amount of ideas that they came through. Mm -hmm. I mean, initially, when we were uh, discussing this, it's sort of a learning process as you go on about how these sort of things sort of run. So I looked at other places and I was given examples about how perfect um, a mechanism this is in the sense that there was one uh, department that was having a restructure and they were physically dis describing... Um, how the meetings were basically led by uh, management and the uh, designers for the, the building for the conversion, but they basically hadn't uh, consulted with other people who actually use it. So in the end, when they got everybody together, that was inclusive of like the um, support staffs and the housekeeping staffs. They realised that uh, they were putting the cupboards in the wrong place and all the cleaning supplies and things were at the other part of the, the building. So you need that input, you need that experience of other people if you're going to make big systemic changes to your department. And people work it and people have opinions and that's really, really important to 
to encourage that to come out. Yeah, it only takes one other person to join for a completely new idea to come about. Absolutely. Because uh, they have different experiences, different roles, mm-hmm. and I think the inclusivity of the council just probably brings out the best ideas from people. It's all about solutions. That's that. That's the way forward. If you, it can be ranged from everything from raising money to um, for a new fridge for your break room to something much much larger, and that will change the lives of of staff and patients. Mm-hmm. So it's it's sort of vital, I think, and that's why it's uh, really high up on the agenda. Mm-hmm. I feel. And I think um, another example we have is in quite a large department in the organisation that had um, a rebuild. One of the um, staff members had recognised that there's a large workforce in that area and they've got new people starting all of the time. Historically, in the previously old building, they had um, a tea round where staff were able to come together and um, meet each other and be a bit more sociable. And that did a lot for promoting the health and well-being, finding out about people, what's going on in the department. But with the change in the service, uh, in terms of the restructure of the environment, they'd lost that. So part of the shared decision-making was to bring that back. And um, they've done a staff survey in that area, and that's really highlighted how important that tea round was in that particular department and what impact it's had on the mental health and well-being of the staff, particularly some of the um, new staff coming to the department and feeling welcomed and being introduced to some of the more senior staff. So there are some uh, great examples of shared decision-making and how small changes can make the biggest differences. So there's some fantastic work going on out there. I think um, Jason's mentioned the shared decision-making framework a number of times. This is a document which... I'd created for the the organisation as a guide to staff who are thinking about setting up a shared decision-making council and it basically has some information in it about shared decision-making, what it is, why it's important and as Jason mentioned there's some templates in that people can choose to use for how to create an agenda, how to write your minutes of the meeting, how to do a, um, a project plan so there's some simple ideas in there to support staff when they're in the early stages of setting up. Is that something you had to learn, Jason, uh, when you started it? Oh, yes, absolutely. But as I um, I know Sharon's here, um, but <laughs> it was it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it was. I just followed that, really. And um, it, it's just been quite an easy process. And for me to be able to do it, <laughs> it, uh, it must be quite <laughs> straightforward. So... Um, Yes, I, I can only just promote it to every department. And it just doesn't have to be, um, say, a theatre department. I'm thinking of creating one for my well-being group that I'm doing. Um, so it just can venture off. You can just start um, imagining what, it's mean, what it means um, and then just progress it. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. Brilliant. If anyone wanted to know more about how to start a shared decision-making council, uh, how would they go about it? Well, there's information on the intranet. Um, if they go to the Nursing and Quality page and there is a tile on there about collective leadership and there's further information in there. 
If you go on the Chief Nursing Officer for England um, NHS page, you'll find out information about shared decision making on that page. Other than that, staff can contact me personally and I'm more than happy to come along and talk to a department as I've done with Jason. It worked really well. We had a large meeting in theatres. We've got another one planned with South Tyneside Theatres to talk about shared decision making. So I'm more than happy um, to come along. One of the pleas I would make if anybody's, uh, hopefully people are listening to this podcast, um, we really need people who have facilitation skills um, people who are a little bit more senior who can support shared decision-making councils. Um, that means that alongside myself, we can go along and as we progress and create more shared decision-making councils, we have enough people to help facilitate those chair people and um, the, the councils when they're in the early stages of setting up. Brilliant. Thank you both for joining me today. Thank, Thank you, you very much, much indeed. It's been wonderful. Thanks for joining us for this episode of our People Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and check out our other stories. Hit subscribe to keep up to date with the latest and catch up with what we've been up to on our Twitter, Facebook and Instagram pages. Just search for our name.